Hey, everybody. This is Peter Wheeler uh, with a lot of different stuff, kind of pushing pitchslap.org right now with Sasshole's cousin-style show. Everything that I say has nothing to do with employers past nor present, especially because I just ducked into this dangerous, dangerous spot where we're going to be a little too honest and uh, probably wrong. But that's the best part about opinions. So glad to be a Sasshole. Welcome to Sasshole's. We are revenue ops with an edge. With decades of making interesting decisions, Jamie, Jason, Marcus, and Pete are dedicated to helping aspiring sales leaders accelerate revenues with our no BS approach to sales leadership strategies and tactics. Our show is supported by viewers and listeners just like you on Patreon.com slash Sassholes. Brent Keltner's Winalytics Revenue Acceleration Playbook Masterclass. In only eight weeks, help your sales and go-to-market team start to build the mindset and skills needed to succeed in a new buyer environment. Weeks one and three, read the book and learn a new approach through 20 successful company stories. Week four, all go-to-market team kickoff and receive self-reflection questions and mindset self-assessment. Weeks five to seven, collaborative sessions with prospecting sales and customer success on the shared journey to a new mindset. Week eight, all go-to-market team presentation and discussion. Winalytics, build the revenue organization you want. Request a free 60-minute growth consultation at winalytics.com. Ask for Brent and say Big Pete sent you. We got some shout outs to do. Charlotte Guyman, 20 years at Berkshire Hathaway. Congratulations. JT Mesh, four years at Trustpilot. Donna Barrow, new gig at Certipro Painters. Lindsay Saywitz, new gig marketing at Opiwat. Sierra Evans, new position founding member at Customer Data Automations. Aaron Schmuckler, culture engineer, four years at Vistage Worldwide. Yogesh Walchor, starting a new position as Leadership Development Associate at Acumen Academy. Noah Laporte, new gig, senior account executive at Cision. Mike Philippe, new gig, account executive, general contractors at Procon Technology. And of course, we have a happy birthday. Roger Wagerman. What's up, old school? Another spin around the sun. Peter Wheeler, welcome to the Sassholes. Talk to me about pitchslap.org. What a Yay, look great, at that. Shameless plug right off the bat. You're like, oh, what I didn't a know I was going to do that, but let's talk about it. Uh, I got addicted to podcasting. I guess yeah. that's why I'm on, on here as well. And uh, I had started, I had been working on a podcast called Accomplished Nothing. It was a double entendre for failpreneurs yeah. like myself. Uh, so we were very accomplished, but we were nothings, or we had gone through all this and accomplished nothing. And I just couldn't get my heart into it. It was too, too dangerous and too hostile. And I got in a corporate social impact somehow, going from like DOD software sales into corporate social impact, working with nonprofits. And I started something called Hey Good Chat goodchat.org got really addicted to speaking to really cool guests but my heart is still always in sales and linkedin is annoying and i got <laughs> to a point where i'm like you know what i'm tired of getting pitch slapped i want to talk to some people that know what they're doing that know how to speak about sales that had their epiphany moment and are good at what they're doing and so yeah started pitch slap probably have the first episode out by the time this airs and uh, really you can find it at pitchslap.org. Yeah. Some amazing. I love I love a good pitch slap, especially that new uh league that Dana White started, the uh power slap pitch slap league. <laughs> Please. Yes, I'd love to connect with you. 
Hey, uh, yeah. could you give me your email address? Every every time they do that, I say, hey, can I get your email address? Then I snag it and I put in my constant contact. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> you got you, you to get brutal. You hop on Fiverr, you hire a virtual assistant, you give them the Calendly link that's been forced fed to you. You have yeah. the VA book every meeting slot through the end of the year. Oh, that's magnificent. If if you want to be vindictive. I mean, there's there's some pretty nasty well, I, this is the sassholes, but I, you know, I like adding to my newsletter list. Uh, I'm sure the sponsors love to hear uh, about that. Uh, love, love pitch slappers. I also love uh, spam calls. Now my, this has nothing to do with uh, Hey, good chat. This is like, Hey, bad chat. But if the world could get together and answer every spam call and keep them on the horn for like 30 seconds, do you know how, Few, how many, uh, how fewer calls could be put out there if we could do that? I say, hey, can I put you on hold them with a customer right now? That's two minutes right there that they're not calling somebody. I don't, I don't, I, there's two, I digress. I don't think we should punish XDRs that don't have the right tools and the right training. That's, that's one thing. But yeah, the, the boiler rooms around the world that are just, hammering you and they want to buy your property oh, one of my favorite yeah. responses for that is uh the building's no longer there turns out my renters were running a meth lab and flew it to smithereens the county has almost cleared it but there might have to be a hazmat problem and then i tell them some outlandish nu uh, number and i say cash only no previews <laughs> still get the calls but it, it just cracks me up i love doing that it just yeah, you know fair. And what about the world's resources? Do you mean the 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 power drain to answer all those calls? There's no like, power drain. It's just I'll be right with you. <laughs> like here, uh, just there's one right now. There you go. You know, <laughs> we, you know, when you sign up for a new URL and you don't put the private on it, you just you got two or three weeks of hell after that. So I, I I've just gotten used to it. Yeah. All right, getting back to Hey Good Chat, that's uh, I would probably never be invited on that one. It seems like you're trying to do some social good there. Uh, how how did you get started on on that there, uh, Peter? You 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 feel penance? You feel guilty? What would you do wrong in your life? Um, sure, plenty, plenty to myself and to others. But uh, I had gotten into the corporate social impact space kind of out of nowhere, Auth0 is bringing on an entrepreneur to bring out, to build out their impact go-to-market. So somebody that could work with nonprofits, understand packaging and pricing, understand how to work with customers and more of like a jobs to be done format because they're a lot like startups. People have titles and the titles have nothing to do with what their day-to-days are. Um, I've run into people like it's Chief Dragon Slayer is their title. And they're like any other person in, a, in an understaffed organization. They're putting out fires and saving princesses and honestly being chief dragon slayers. So um, I came into that, but I knew nothing of the space. Like I said, I was in, I was in an industry that was really heavy into fed civ department of defense. You know, I was, I was talking GSA schedule. I was talking, you know, hearing about blowing people up, not, not the most fun. And it was a neat switch, but because I knew nothing about it, I started, I made a promise to myself to talk to at least three people a week in the space that were tenured and figure out what's going on. And from there, I started regurgitating things that they said. And people go, where did you hear that? Did you come up with that? You're brilliant. I'm like, no. The only smart Snowden. thing I did was have the call. 
And it got to a point where I was asking people, hey, can I record this because I want to remember it? Or can I record this because somebody wants to be a creeper? And that got weird. And I said, oh, instead of just me recording it and sharing it privately, we'll call it a podcast. And uh, there we go. There we go. I mean, we're, we're one step away from ham radio, basement, stalker well, stuff. Not to insult the ham crowd because I did carry a code for a while. But yeah, did, did did Snowden start before you or you were after Snowden? I think I'm older than him in years, but I think he started way before me. Yeah, <laughs> I've only been in that space for about two years. The podcast has just wrapped up its first season. Yeah. OK. All right. Really good. Hopefully we can break the Internet together. So how the heck do we make money in 2023? It's <laughs> expansions and renewals. <laughs> oh, that's easy. Just yeah. go to our current customers who say, oh, I'm broke. I don't have anything. Yeah. Right. Or I have to wait till Q1 is over because I don't know what the rest of my year is going to look like. H- how do you deal with that, Peter? I, you know what? I honestly don't know. We're, <laughs> we're, all ma- we're all making pivots and what the offerings are. We're all trying. Nobody talks to the customer anymore. People are like, yeah, you upgrade or you get turned off. Like, why do we do that? We need to we need to figure out what they're utilizing. Where's their data at? What what tools and features are they using? What are they complaining about? We're not making an investment into talking to people anymore. And I do miss that about sales. My my start in sales was in the car industry and and love it or hate it. And people do both. There are good salespeople in the car industry. It's one of the few industries I know that understands people on a personal level that can process like, oh, you're buying this, but you got a baby on the way. If I'm still in this industry in 15 years, I'm calling you. Hopefully I'm getting you renewals on leases every two years, but I'm calling you in 15 years and saying, dump whatever junker you've got that I sold you two years ago onto your kid. And let's sell you something new. Also, it's time for retirement. Don't pay for college. College fund is for your new car. Anyway. Peter, what are you, know, what are you doing in the back room with your manager saying, hey, I'll be right back? What, what do you guys do back there? You know what? I never worked in a lot like that. I got to GM level and we still didn't. We didn't do that. Really, it's just putzing around. Um, cool. So we cool people, our heels. Well, it's just that's a it, that industry has just always been dirty, and it's making a pivot that's kind of weird. So that that backroom manager thing, they they pack on the car, so there's extra money thrown in there, the destination fees and tent and all this other stuff that's a, a ripoff, and then they're they're just trying to make their nut. So. If they need to make two grand on the car, you've already put your trade out there. They're just going to devalue the trade. They're going to raise the price. They're, they're going to figure out a way to not screw you, but get what they need out of it. And there was a while there, and I think it's still going on. But I haven't been in the car industry for about 10 years, 15 years, um, where the, we were adding points on a deal. Now, we didn't do that. But industry-wide, you know, you get somebody sold at 0.9% financing, and you'd come back out to them, and you'd go, oh, man, I, I scored it for you. You got 3.4%. And the bank writes a check back. And all, all that those meetings were, were pep rallies and big talks. But like, I, I never stood on a floor in a place like that. If I did, I was there for about one hour and walked out. Saturday sales meetings, all that stuff. You want to talk about being a true sasshole? Try and, yeah. try and handle that for a day. Well, CarMax came along and I became a fan of that because I've been pr- putting out there, why do we keep messing around with these... Uh, Bonuses, pay at risk, pay everybody a salary like uh, CarMax or even Tesla. Pe- people don't want to go through that god awful experience. Uh, I just wish uh, the SaaS world would would pick on pick up on that, or at least change from a calendar year to a fiscal year. But I, but I digress. But we have right. no, we have how 
We have. So the car industry, let's just keep this a, a analogy, metaphor. Yeah, let's keep, keep going. Whatever's comparison we're doing rolling. Yeah. You say CarMax, Tesla, even things like Carvana, the buy online, the true car style stuff. And Tesla's a little different. They were doing galleries to get around old fashioned dealership laws about dealerships and, and, and their trade unions and whatnot. But um, cars have really switched to a menu platform. You're not you don't go in and negotiate or anything else. You go in, you talk to your salesperson and they're like, whatever the price posted is, is what the price is. And they get you on the upsells and the add-ons and the upgrades. And honestly, the SaaS stuff has moved into that. Like the, the category that I'm leading right now is product-led growth. And it's wonderful. I mean, it's just, it, you you get what you pay for. A customer can come online. They can demo. They can get a free trial. They can play with whatever they want to do. They're doing it at three o'clock in the morning. They're not messing with anybody. They, they feel very unrestricted. They don't feel cornered. There's no high pressure. And they swipe their credit card. Sure, they're paying 20 bucks a month. Okay, they're a hobbyist, but now they're working in an organization that needs a similar solution, maybe at closer to an enterprise level or at an enterprise level. You've got a champion. You've got a regular user that had access to whatever your premium thing is because you put a menu price thing out there. Like, kill that educational inbound by making it more available. And I think we all have that ability to build a spectrum. We're just not it's hard to figure out. It's hard to build that customer experience. It's hard to walk away from gating everything. So I think we're headed that direction. Not everybody's doing it right, but we're headed in that direction. So based on that example, doesn't it kill it if a company has a bunch of BDRs, kids just got out of college and said, oh, I saw you were on at 3 a.m. I'm going to call you in two hours and try to upsell you on your on, on your free freemium. You think uh, SaaS companies are screwing it up by doing that? Yeah, that's part of the, the nobody's, most people aren't getting it right. That's not like, we're not using, again, going back to the beginning, we're not talking to people. We're not using data. We're not figuring out what the, what the intent is. Um, I like to refer to it as reverse churn. When you get somebody that's a power user that is ready to upgrade, they're going to contact you. They're going to get notifications in the back end that says, hey, you're over quota or you know, explore this additional feature because you've got 20,000 contacts in your CRM and your plan only does 19,000. Like, we're not going to turn you off, but it's time to start thinking about upgrading. Like, it's simple nudge work, not hammering phones and force feeding product. We have to get away from, nobody likes that. Why would you do to somebody else what you you can't stand happening to you? I've I've had to temper myself because I, I have, I made the mistake of putting my personal phone number up on my LinkedIn for like six days, uh, as opposed to a VOIP burner number. Mm -hmm. And that's what's on everybody's list. And so I get these calls regularly and I start losing it. I start losing my temper and then I have to, I just pull back and I go, you know what? I've been there. Hey dude, XDR work sucks. It's very hard. I'm not a buyer. I'll gladly sit with you and work on this pitch, or I'll let you go make some more dials, but I'm not, I'm not here for that. And I'll tell you what, I, they have to hit me at the right calorie count, the right cortisol count, the right caffeine count for that to work. But I'm trying, I am really trying. <laughs> Must be way early in the morning. So, so Peter, with product-led growth, like what, what's the right formula? I mean, do you, you let somebody, you sample the product, they try it for a little bit, a little while. Like, is there a sweet spot on the time frame? Does it depend on the product? Like, when, when do you start nudging them 
is it a drip campaign once they reach a certain usage level what what's a new way of doing things if i just laid off all my bdr so i'm gonna pay a little bit more to corporate marketing and how, how should i be contacting people who are using my product you just laid off all your bdrs that's i, I okay i guess this, these are the times um bad move right off there yeah okay uh at least keep your abm side of the BB bdrs around again to do customer exploration but um it's it's really it's all in your packaging and pricing you're gonna have to tweak it and tinker with it and have legacy plans and we we're, we've all been there we've bought some lifetime deal as as this new user on this new platform and that deal stops existing and we tell friends about the product and they're like oh i can't find the lifetime deal i had to sign up for 49 dollars a month well it's still great i'd still pay 49 a month i'm just happy i don't have to you you have to do that level of tweaking and you have to accept that there are some customers if you offer a free plan they'll always sit on free like canva is a great example that's a huge comp that was a huge purchase huge platform and succeeded wonderfully off plg and they didn't need the paid platforms now it's a weird accident it doesn't help anybody that's listening to this um you but it's a know. really good example of like you're going to have users that aren't customers but what they become are stakeholders in organizations that will be buyers they become champions or actual buyers in those organizations that can back you up and that's when that outreach happens that's when you know what, if you want to be creepy about it, if you want to really use list power the right way, you look at your users and you see where they work. Because everybody's putting in their personal email address when they're doing this stuff or they're putting in a burner email address. They're not putting in their work email, but we all have the tools that sync those things together. We all, we all know how to, how to enrich our profiles. And you just figure it out. Like, is there a use case for this big organization? And then sure, now you start building into the product, like, hey, you're a free user. Hey, you're a low tier. You don't call them low tier, but you say, hey, you're a, you're a hobbyist user. There we go. That's a fun term. And say, hey, look, you know, here, here are some ways that this works in an enterprise environment. One of the strongest points of PLG is great documentation, great customer experience, and a solid customer feedback loop. You do those three things. It doesn't matter what you price it at. It doesn't matter how many tiers you offer. It doesn't matter how you want to graduate people out of your self-service and your enterprise and your communication tactics and everything else. It's going to be organic and it's going to be a lot faster than you think. You're not, you're not growing a sapling into a mighty oak. You're, you're, it's rapid. It's rabbits. You brought up legacy and I've seen so many companies that got it wrong where Instead of charging for the overall experience, they bolt on. If you have a new feature, they add on an extra fee and another extra fee, a bolt on, a bolt on. And then you got this Frankenstein and you're, it is so confusing on what the pr product costs. Are you better off just having one charge for the experience or should you be bolting on these things? And if you bolt on, how many things can you bolt on before somebody gets confused and says, I'm going to go on to the next guy? I'm a big fan of next tier, not bolt-ons. Uh, old car industry guy. Uh, I was real heavy in what they call 12 volt. In fact, I still publish a magazine about 12 volt, which is car stereo and car entertainment, that kind of thing. And I, I'm a big fan of bolt-ons in that market. Yeah, you trade your speakers out, your wheels and tires, everything else. You know what you're getting into, and it's usually a one-time purchase. When you're doing it in software, if if you need a bolt-on for something that's that's short-term, then 
sure, that's great. But you could also just upgrade tiers and then downgrade. It's it's creating mo- ooh, more car stuff. It's creating mobility for your customers to move up and down and back and forth. And by doing that, they get comfortable in that process and they get comfortable with just moving up and moving up and moving up. And you're with them for that deal. You're, you're sitting next to them on the test drive. You're talking them through it. You're like, Hey, the other model has Bluetooth. It has wireless CarPlay as opposed to having to plug it in to have your CarPlay work. Now there's a wireless one and it'll charge your phone while you're just sitting it there in your console. Oh, cool. How much more does that car cost? It, it costs what the value is to you more. And let's just keep ramping up. And, and there's nothing dirty about that. That's, that's like honest and clean. And it's like, we've got this thing. You've got a frustration. You keep losing the cords. They get stolen at the car wash. You step on them and they break. You want something cordless. Cool. Now this is available. Your lease payment is going to be $9 more a month because it adds $2,500 onto your the cost of the vehicle. This is what, you know, your overtime value is going to be. And people get it. They get it because you tear them up. You don't like, we'll throw on tent. We'll throw on underbody panel washing and also free car washes for life. Like, and I'm just using this because I think it's something that most people can relate to how much that sucks. So we don't do it to our customers. Just give them another tier. And if we start seeing that the tiers don't work, People are coming in on one tier and they're frustrated and they're always moving up to this next year, but then they're frustrated because there's too much of a price gap. Kill that first one. And sure, you're going to lose a lot of the customers that you have coming in on the on the first one, but you're going to also lower everyone's frustration. And if you can reintroduce the first one with some sort of compromise on features, go for it. There'll be customers that are on that old first one that want to be legacy customers. And you let them stay. You just don't offer it to new customers. When they upgrade, yes, they'll be pissed off because they still have to upgrade. They still have to pay more, but they'll understand that they that you took care of them and you watched out for their best interest for as long as was sustainable for all parties. And it's the so, other thing that people drop the ball on is sustainability in this kind of market. So tomorrow's March, one more month in the first quarter, and we got to get to a number if you're lucky enough to have a number. How do you go to these people that you're trying to get more money out of them and they're saying, hey, I know I signed up for a three-year deal, but I'm going to need a little leeway here because I don't have the budget anymore. I know I signed up for it, but I don't have the budget. Do you send them to legal or do you work with them? How, How do you get money from these people if you need to grow? I'm not, I'm not a big fan of cutting people off. Um, you know, those, those burned bridges catch the fields on fire. Yeah. What, what you really got to look for is just like, what, what is, what is your true cost? Like, what is your true opportunity cost on this? If you're moving somebody from a PLG plan, it's like 249 a month per seat. I think that's like what sales navigator is or something. And you're, you're rolling out some sort of bundled thing that you want to put people on and you're using that customer to roll up quota, you offer it to them, you show them the value, you look at it and like, we're, we're all using these frameworks where we're trying to figure out if the budget's there and if the need's there and if people have the, the authority to do it and, and how fast can we race them into to signing paperwork. That doesn't work anymore. It doesn't. And it doesn't work if they're already customers. You have to, you have to analyze their frustrations. You have to say, hey, I think you're ready for an upgrade. I think you're ready for the next year. Here's why. I've got these other customers in your industry. Don't even have to name them. You can guess who they are. They moved up because at this level, they couldn't do X, Y, and Z. 
next level they can. At this level, they could only serve these many people. Next level. This is how, this is how they're serving them. You address the frustrations. One of my favorite frameworks for that, and it's a marketing framework, is Jobs to Be Done. And uh, there's a really cool free, free book at winpoffeeandkalecompete.com that, I mean, it, it lays it out for you. It lays out the best way to not sell on fear, to not sell on price, to not lead with a discount, to not do all that annoying shit. Oh, good. This is one of those podcasts where I can do that. God damn it. Anyway. Um, shit. And it shit. Anyway, you can, you can like actually create a relationship. And then you have a customer, you have a customer that trusts you. So next time it needs to come around, you say, Hey bud, got to do it again. And they're like, okay, I'll ask you why in a bit, but let me tell you, I'm pissed off about this, 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 and this. And you go, yeah, I know. I knew that was coming. That's why it's time. Let's move on up. It's great. And the problem, I think one of the bigger problems is we're also short term now and it's our fault. It's the organization's fault. We're not getting the territories we want. We're not working the tiers that we want. We don't have the regional focus that we want, whatever it may be. And we're, we're hopping from place to place. I am not putting down what they call job hopping at all. You have to find your right fit, just like you're helping your customer find the right fit. But you can't do a legitimate sales cycle at that point. Some deals, yeah, you can convert it in two weeks. Some deals you need a whole year to make it happen. What's the opportunity cost? If it's a whole year and you're just kind of waiting around until they get the budget together and then they buy and you're not putting any real work, that's great. If it's your $10 million whale and that's the only thing you're focusing on, we all have to measure what our quota and OTE and everything else for that is. But yeah. Well, know, you, brought up, you, you brought up trust. And in order to work with a client, they have to be honest with you and they don't want to show their cards. Why should I tell you what my break even is? Then you're going to use it against me. How do you, how do you work around that or through it? You let them talk like it. So this is one of the things I love about product led growth. The way that makes it sustainable is you have a community supported. You provide great documentation. You have a paid support tier that can be a bolt on. Mm, yeah, sure. But then from there, you let the community lead you. You sponsor forums. You provide a platform for them to communicate. We've all seen we've all used tech where we have to go to a community board and research an answer. And then thumbs up it or ask the question flat out. And maybe the, ex the only expense for the company is moderation. You know, you build an auto mod and then you have a couple people that are dedicated to customer service that focus on that kind of thing. And you see the trends. You say, hey, engineering team, you're really screwing the pooch on this. Hey, customer experience team. Hey, design team. You're not doing this thing right. And then also, hey, sales team or hey, marketing, marketing team and product-led growth. You're pushing the wrong features. People are buying this wrong tier and they don't need it and they don't want it. They need to focus on this other thing. Also stop pushing features, fix the frustrations. Sales team, when you're doing sales assisted product led growth or sales team, when you're selling into a platform, I really think that the sales assisted product led growth is going to go somewhere. I think if we all focus on smaller, more active deals, we can scale them faster. Anyway, you're going to have all that feedback. You're already going to know and then this is where you're enriching their profiles. You got the forum. They're logging in. You can see what kind of customer they are. You can see how they're using the product. You can see what other accounts they're affiliated with. And then you have a new communication stream. I am a big fan of anecdotal. I'm an old, old, old salesperson, old by my standards. So I lean into like 
hobnobbing cigars, whiskey, the old old style of it. And I'm just now Golfed. starting to, yeah, oh my God, my golf game is terrible, but my talk game is great. So <laughs> I drive the cart and I, and I chat. But, you know, if we're using the data and if we're putting out useful areas for our customers that also allow us to collect and use that data, we're doing something positive for everybody because we're making a better product. And we're making it so that we can communicate about our product better. And there's no dirt in selling a product you can be proud of that is built around what your customers' needs are. What, so you can't the say feed- there's anything unethical about that because there isn't. What's the feedback you're looking for? If it's product-led growth, you need to know whether it's working or not. Is it tickets? Is it if you have a success team? Like, What are the data points that you look for? Are they logging in? Like what? Well, it, d- it depends on everybody's product. You know, if you're if you're just Yours. looking, yeah. I mean, you could just look at logins and utilization, and you can see if somebody's successful. And you can see you start looking at IP addresses and see if they got two or three people logging in at different areas into the same account. You change your seats model, or you say, "Hey, we know what you're doing. We're not going to turn you off for it, but there's a better way to do it, and it's not going to cost you much more." Yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's utilization. But then like you're looking at the forums and whatnot, if everybody's asking the same question about the same feature, you either kill the feature, improve the feature, improve the documentation for the feature. That's about it. Those are the three things you can do. Any surveys in there? You don't need to. They're ad hoc. Like we right. all ask the worst damn questions. We really do. When I was in car stereo, people would come in and say, what kind of music do you listen to? Well, I listen to a bit of everything. Great. I put Thank on you. 17th century shakuhachi music. And here we go, what the fuck is this? And I go, you said everything. I thought you'd know what this is. I had a catalog of non-Western, antiquated non-Western music. <laughs> and, you know, they're like, what, what is this? It's like the opening of Kung Fu. And I'm like, no, this is actually Japanese. But anyway, you said you listen to everything. And this particular song sounds amazing on this demo board. Let's talk about what you actually need. I asked a bad question. The trick is stop asking bad questions. Um, A friend of mine, Kenneth Ward, wrote an amazing book called Selling Sustainably. That um, You can get that at educartraining.com. That um, goes over what type of customers you have. He, He says that there's four tiers of customers. There's the people that want to direct you. There's the people that want to be directed by you. There's the people that are just researching, but they're there for you, you know, th- that kind of thing. And then also how to ask a good question because we all ask terrible questions. We all ask terrible questions. We all operate from the same bad manual. Did I catch you at a good time? Nope. Okay, click. Like, what, what kind of question is that? When they pick up the phone, you say, hey, I'm Peter with Sassholes. I know you're in blank. I know something about you. My assumption is because of your role, you're having trouble with blank. Can I chat with you about it? They're going to say yes or no, but at least you got the message across, not that you're an inconvenient jackal. Yeah, it's what's I in love it for this. them, I love not you. What's the podcast? <laughs> That's right. There's no monetization here. <laughs> So, so product-led growth, like what, what should the structure look like? It, you, have, you have to have somebody buying it. Do you rely more on the, the website to sell it than you do somebody actually 
a human being doing it or is a human being renewing it? How, how does that work? It depends on the, on the SAS, but just say in your world. Um, so I would, in my world as a marketer, I'm, I'm, I'm more GTM than sales now, uh, sales enablement field, coaching, all that thing, yeah. but the, the majority is in marketing. And I've been working on a framework for, oh God, six years now across different SaaS industries, but a lot of them with product-led growth and even some in commercially supported open source. And if anybody's in that category, stick in it. It's where the future is. Um, like, what is and, that? ChatGPT? What, what is that? Well, open, uh, open AI and ChatGPT, that, that is open. Well, you know what? It's a commercially sold open. It's different. It's different. So commercially okay. supported open source is like, um, there's a platform that is open source and there are, there are always customers out there that are looking for an open source product. They're not looking to buy the tech. They're looking to have a solution. This gets back into that jobs to be done framework. So we're focusing on the solution. What they need is professional services. They need a managed services offering. They need in, in your people hours and your pre-builts and your, this is where plugins come into play. When you're able to do that type of element on a product that is consistently iterated, that is, um, you're going back to the community forums and using the community forums for your own product to improve it. This is an active community of developers that are improving the product for their own personal usage. And this is where commercially supported open source has its true power. They have a whole bunch of requests out. Man, we, we want to build this feature, but nobody has the time or resources to do it. Well, guess what? I have a customer. I have a $2 million services contract with this customer. And one of the features that they want aligns real close to what you've got. How about we build it out for them? We get them to commit to us that maybe after three months of utilization, we can push it as a code commit to the repo. So we've improved this product. We've helped the open source community. We're not pilfering it and being pirates and selling something that they made for their own use, for a, for a true public good use. And instead we're doing public good. We're supporting a commercial customer and we're making the public good better. Perfect. That's why I love that space. I think that space is so cool. So um, three year, three year contracts, you think uh, people are going to keep wanting to do that, take on the risk of uh, committing for a long term, or they're going to like, you know, sticking to one price. Heard a lot of people say, you know what, I'll, I'll pay a little bit more so I don't have to worry about what's going to happen in the future. I, I think that's where there's a massive lack of faith. And it's sad. Yeah. It's sad. If you're, if you're dealing, if you're selling to a customer that is pretty certain that they won't have a need for your product three years out, that means a few different things that your product is a stopgap while they try to find a real solution. So you better Build, oh my God, one of my favorite phrases from this whole industry is building the journey where you sell a customer 80% of the product for 100% of the price. I hate that so much, but that is part of the process. Oh, we're, we're going to go on our CRM journey. We're going to, the, the, where I learned it was the geospatial journey because I was in geospatial software. Yeah. Like this is nonsense, but I understand what you're doing. You're getting the customer to commit to growing with you. Uh, one of the, phrases that absolutely hate is when we call our customers partners. We have to go back to treating them as customers. We have to stop calling your customer a partner. If you do that, look me up on LinkedIn and I will gladly go through all the reasons why that's a terrible idea. 
So number one, they're using you as a stopgap. You don't have the right product, but you're satisfying a need. They're done with researching. They have you in budget. You're, you are just friend zone at this moment. They're not engaged to you. They're not marrying you. Next thing, they don't have faith in themselves. Oh, well, we've only got six months of runway. If we commit to a year, we commit to three years and we get a discount and we don't make it, who cares? It's great. Company's going to shutter and legal can come after nothing all they want. Right. That sucks. So you have to really, this is where you get to know your customer. You get to know what their long-term plans are. You get to know why a three-year contract is a good fit for them or maybe a one-year. And then you've made an, you, in the meantime, you know that an acquisition of a competitor of yours is happening and you'll have the right product next roll around, or you know that there's a pricing adjustment, or you know that there's a packaging adjustment coming up and you sell them in the plan that's the right fit. And you say, when I talk to you in a year, I will have the correct plan for where you are at in a year. We're growing together. We're not partners. We're growing at the same time. We're not a bifurcation where, you know, a Norton grapevine has been fused with a Chardonnay vine because of bugs in France. Anyway, we're not doing that. So that's you think we, two reasons. Do, do, you got a third? I did, but I start rambling and then my forehead turns red. So I don't know what's going uh, yeah, on. Yeah. Okay. We'll let you cool down. Have we made things too complicated? The contracts are a gazillion pages. It's got to sit in legal forever. You got CROs, you got chief product people, you got chief sales officers, CEOs, uh, enablement. You have all this stuff in between the customer and the end result. Do you think it'll simplify anytime soon or do you think it'll just get worse? Trauma causes trepidation. Trauma destroys trust. And the fact that from buying shoes all the way to buying a $50 million SaaS platform. We always walk away feeling screwed. That's Isn't what that causes a... that. That's what, I, so I'm from the Midwest. I'm standing in misery right now. And we're in the Midwest, right? Chicago Think, here. Oh, okay. Well, you, Cardinals nation, Cubs nation. I'm not going to fight you over it. What's SIU? Southern Illinois University. Carbondale, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, there we go. I dropped out of college. Wearing, are, are you wearing an SIU uh, jacket there, my friend? Nope. I'm wearing a... Good, but you could have said yes. Oh, I don't know. Any, anyways, we digress. Yeah, I don't have a team. Yeah. All there. right. So that, that's Too many exactly titles. My Chief revenue. Because I'm trying to process all this stuff. Yeah. So I'm from the Midwest, and I'm used to a handshake. Something's going south. You have somebody... You know where somebody's mom lives, because you know where they grow up. grew up. And you get into the big world when I, when I, you know, I was finally an adult and I knew that business didn't always operate that way. That's when it gets complicated. There's just a, such a heavy lack of trust. There's such a heavy lack of experience. This is another reason I love product-led growth. You get embedded. You're like, okay, these are the weak points of the product. These are the things that, that I know to expect. So when I buy, I can ask for this to be resolved or watched more carefully this is the onus is on the customer in a product-led growth environment. You know, I can ask for these additional things or I can tough it out because I know that this will probably be a problem, but I love everything else about it. And I'll be squeaky, but I'm not going to roll back a deal or anything like that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to terminate early and fight legal and all that other stuff. We don't need all that contract. But the other half of it is regulation. 
so many people have done so many shady things and there's always going to be bad actors out there that, yeah, like there's privacy laws, there's payment processing laws, there's, there's different ways of getting insured. There's like uh, in the UK, they've got all these new laws about how your software has to operate before you can get the, the government mandated insurance from the government. And I'm not knocking that at all. Um, it's good to have. Yeah. Um, but if you're not like, if you can't check all the boxes, that's why people are going through and, and fine tooth coming in. And there's so many red lines and deals go to 12 months because there's so many players. It's not because it's not product fit. It's because it's not personality fit. There's no trust. There's no faith. Hold on. I would, I, let me put that out there. There's no fixing that. No, n- zero. Yep. It sucks. And we have to deal with it. There's no fixing it. So it's going to get more complicated. No, no, because I see the, I see the way that we sell getting simpler. I see the way that we package and price things getting simpler. I see that there's a, um, there's a movement for more, um, build, build it yourself. I think that the markets that focus on what are they calling it now? Composable web or the, the whole mock, <laughs> the whole mock framework. Um, and this goes into commercial supported open source too. So I'm, I'm not knocking it. It's just, I don't know right. enough about it, even though I love it. Um, I think everything's headed that way. And I think when we start selling closed end, buy it off the shelf product and we're in, and we're selling it in an enterprise only fashion, we're not doing it in a way that we can succeed. We're selling tech debt to our customers. They'll never use every feature we have on there. They'll never understand every feature we have there. And if we do, then we've got so much activity with SEs and so much activity with TAMs and so much activity with CSMs that if we really took a scrutiny to it, we know we're losing money. So I, I see that that's, that has to fall away. I've seen it falling away. There are a lot of organizations that are moving away from it. The fact that everybody's moving away from long-term hefty contracts into more subscription-based models around seats and licenses, and that helps so much with we're in a really crappy employment environment. We, we can all see that whether we want it, whether we want to believe it or not, like that's what's going on. Sucks. Having that flexibility, instead of saying, I'm selling you 10,000 seats for 50 million a year and you've got a three-year commitment. I'm never going to use all those. I don't, I don't know where my flux is. I don't know if I'm going to go over and we're going to have to go do renegotiate or I'm, I'm adding on something, doing a pack. How about I commit to 8,000 right now? Cause that's what I got. And you put me on a flex and I can lock in at 249 a seat for the three years. And if you move it to 500 at the end of three years, well, guess what? I'm paying 500, but also building that trust and also legacying out a customer, helping them lock in. Like we're just not doing, we're not doing enough after the sale. And again, we can't fix that. That's not our responsibility, but we can influence it. You wanted to talk about my current role and different, you know, yeah. in marketing. So this framework that I've been working on, it follows jobs to be done. It also uh, leans into Eugene Schwartz, who's a a brand copywriter. And one of the things that marketers have gotten away from is that they really pursue, they pursue somebody that's already ready to buy. That's sales job. What we need to get back into in marketing is working on an unaware audience, the stakeholder audience. If we focus more on the customer's customer and identifying the frustrations and seeing how our tool fix our, our piece of the tool fixes 
the customer's customer problem and we can speak to that, then we can also speak to our customer in a way that says, you will be around in three years. Make the three-year commitment. These are the steps why. That's what, we're getting more and more into vertical marketing, but we're still not addressing having the stakeholders of a company come to the company and say, I wish, I, I wish your product had this feature. And then they go out and research and say, oh, these solutions have this feature. Or I'm using your competitor because they have this better experience from this add-on that they have. My big break in marketing was doing Dolby's first consumer-facing campaign since the 50s. Dolby does not sell a single thing you can buy. Dolby goes into everything you buy. And the way that we made, Beats Audio had come out at the time, so we're talking a decade ago. And the, the solution, the fix, was not going to manufacturers that were being lost. It was propping up the manufacturers we still had and doing these great university campaigns all over Northern California and having kids hold up signs and say, I want Dolby in my, and this is where you indicate the, per, the organization we just lost or the contract that we're chasing. I want Dolby in my Mac. That will never happen. But that was like one of the things that was out there. The kids are using Macs, but they also want Dolby. And so they're seeing it on their Lenovo's. They're seeing it on their Sennheiser's. And they, we were promoting the risk of you are going to lose market share because these kids want a feature that you don't have. And you know what? It was like a, it was a hefty investment. It was, it was a healthy six-figure investment for this campaign. But I do know that they pulled eight figures out of it before the campaign was done. And it wasn't a renewal. It was new. I don't even know what the renewal traffic looked like. So we how do you measure how do you measure that success? I know with the with the uh when they renew the contract or they bring you back, but till you get to that point, you have the kids out there doing that. How do you know it's working? You don't have the kids out there doing it. If 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 we as AEs are not doing account maintenance, then we are truly yeah. sassholes. <laughs> that that's just uh, absolute bullshit like how do we how do we know we ask hey how are things going that's a simple question and they're gonna answer you one or two ways they're gonna be like kids are great just got back from vacation perfect you know you have a right relationship there and if they respond about the product and the features and that's the relationship you have with them then you get the feedback there as well guess what that first person's gonna be a lot more honest the second person you're gonna get all negative from all negative. You can operate off that. First person, you're going to get, I told my buddy about this. And he said he used you and he didn't like you because X, Y, Z. And I told him, I'm using you right now. And they don't have X, Y, Z anymore. I don't know, man. Like we're just, we're dropping the ball. We're treating people as numbers, both top down to sales. So now we're feeling like a number and we got numbers to hold up. And I always tell new XDRs, I'm like, Make the most to ramp up. The second you have a number over your head, you have a target on it too. They call it a target for a reason. And I just stop, stop and pause. <laughs> You're talking to a human being. You hate getting these phone calls, then stop making these phone calls. Yeah. You want to buy something better, then make something better. Like this, everybody's going to be like, well, this is common sense. This guy's an idiot. Why is he just rambling about this stuff? Well, because none of us are doing it. And that's something we can change. We can be better salespeople. So I will say, grab that jobs to be done book. I want to see everybody focusing on resolutions and not features. 
I'd love that. If we, the product marketing world could change that, then the sales enablement world would be wonderful. And as salespeople, we have to influence that. Uh, do check out Ken Ward's book. He's Kenneth Ward on LinkedIn. And uh, the book is Selling Sustainably and it's at edgecarlabs.com. It's a really good one. It's short too. Um, Peter, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure we uh, softened the market for you, Peter. Uh, how do you want people to get a hold of you? Is it J.P. Yeah, Wheeler? My- so yeah, my, my first name's John, but I go by my, my middle name, Peter, not Pete. You will not get the response you want if Pete comes out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just jpeterwheeler.com, jpeterwheeler on all the socials. Uh, hey, good chat, the podcast. It's at goodchat.org. Pitch slap the podcast at pitchslap.org. <laughs> um, but yeah, linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash J Peter Wheeler, traditional spelling of all those things. And it's just the letter J, not J A Y. Um, it's a great place to find me. I never turn down a connection request, except LinkedIn has a tell now. If an automated connection request happens, once your account gets to a certain tier, I think it's like 5,000 followers. When a connection request comes in, it will say XYZ follows you and would also like to connect. That's a genuine connection click. When you use an automated tool, it doesn't say follows you. And those people, I did not, I, I did not, I make them that. work for the connection. That a boy. Yeah. All that's right. also where Pitch Slap came from. Anyway, this was fun. Thanks for letting me yell into a microphone. Oh, Peter Wheeler, outstanding. Our show is supported by viewers and listeners just like you on patreon.com slash sassholes. Brent Keltner's Winalytics Revenue Acceleration Playbook Masterclass. In only eight weeks, help your sales and go-to-market team start to build the mindset and skills needed to succeed in the new buyer environment. Weeks one and three, read the book and learn a new approach through 20 successful company stories. Week four, all go to market team kickoff and receive self-reflection questions and mindset self-assessment weeks five to seven collaborative sessions with prospecting sales and customer success on the shared journey to a new mindset week eight all go to market team presentation and discussion winalytics build the revenue organization you want request a free 60-minute growth consultation at winalytics.com ask for brett and say big pete sent you